The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Learn how to eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Albert Einstein scribbled on a scrap of paper and supposedly handed to a hotel porter the following. A calm and modest life brings more happiness than the pursuit of success combined with constant restlessness. That sold at auction for $1.56 million in 2017. So I think it has some value, something to think about. That's a little bit more the way that I'm trying to live my life these days. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, host of the Main Street Vegan podcast. Wonderful to have everyone with us today. After the break, we're going to be talking with Jennifer Stoikovich of the Vegan Women's Summit. Oh my gosh, the things that are happening in vegan business and so many women and minorities and amazing men and everybody else is part of that. So, so exciting. And right now, we're going to get things going faster by doing something that we've always been told couldn't be done, and that is change other people. My first guest is Howard Jacobson. You know Dr. Jacobson. He has been writing books and writing books with other people you know for a very long time. It's made himself an actual best-selling author, as well as an executive coach and health coach. He wrote Sick to Fit with Josh Lajani, Whole with Dr. T. Colin Campbell, and Proteinaholic with Dr. Garth Davis. He hosts the Plant Yourself podcast and trains health coaches at the Wellstart Coaching Academy. His latest book is You Can Change Other People. Welcome, Howard. 
Thank you, Victoria. It's so great to be here. It's wonderful to be with you. I always love talking with you and I always love reading your work. You can really write. And it's so cool that nowadays everybody with something to say can get it out there in written form. But when I read something by somebody who's gifted with words, it's extra special and you are one of those. So thanks oh. for sharing that gift. Well, it's ironic that uh, a compliment like that leaves me tongue tied then. <laughs> well, that works. So hmm, you say we can change other people. So let's see, you are going against most psychologists, certainly Al-Anon, and a lot of what we have learned just in life experience, we've tried to change other people, and it's never really worked. So how come you're saying the exact opposite? Yeah, well, first of all, when people tell us that, they're trying to change us, right? If someone says to you, you can't change other people, they're trying to get you to stop doing something. So they don't believe it themselves. Psychologists are in the business of changing other people, right? So the truth is we, people change all the time and you know, big changes, little changes, and the reason we think we can't change other people is because we go about it the wrong way. We do and say things that actually bring about resistance rather than change. So what we wanna do is understand, so you know, it's a provocative title and I understand people might think it means I'm gonna bend someone else to my will. And that's not what we mean at all. What I mean is to help other people live in accordance with their own values and priorities and goals and the way I think about change is it's a discontinuity from the past. So if I can have a conversation with you, and as a result of that conversation, you start doing something even a little bit differently than you had done and would have done without that conversation, in my book, I've changed you. And I think this fear of changing other people, of somehow it's, it's, it's a, um, a step too far, or it's something we're not allowed to do, or it's not respectful, means that we, we give up a lot of our power to do good in the world. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but I've changed people for the worse <laughs> my whole life, accidentally, or out of spite or rage or something. We can do things to, to, to make people feel very bad and to get them to stop doing things they would otherwise do. So I'm saying there's a, there is a process, a, a reliable, repeatable process. And I know it because I've used it for decades as a coach that can get people to make changes that they want to make or realize that are in their best interests. That is really interesting because listening to you, I see that the kind of changing people that doesn't work is, okay, you, I really don't like that you do ABC and I want you to do this, this, and this. But on the other hand, just living our lives in an aspirational kind of way, where other people think, well, you know, maybe I'll pick up some of that non-dairy milk next time I'm at the store. Just kind of subtly, it, it's almost as if, I hate to use the word contagion after what we've all been through the past <laughs> few years, but there really does seem to be something about if you're behaving in a way that is attractive to somebody else, they might want to do it too. Is that some of what you're getting at? Um, it's certainly true that being a role model is a very powerful way to make, to help people see new ways to do things. But I think, you know, the statement, you can't change other people is almost always followed by, you can only change yourself. 
So then we have, then we have, you know, the everybody's favorite email signature line, Gandhi's quote, you be the change you want to see in the world. And that's absolutely true. And there are ways that you can help people change without having to be a role model. So like, you know, if, if only the only thing I can do is be a role model, then people aren't necessarily going to see me in situations that it would be relevant. And I might want to help someone change in a way that I don't. I, I, I might want, you know, somebody else wants to be more assertive in a meeting. And I can help them with that, even if I don't necessarily have to go out of my way to display that behavior in front of them. So what we're really talking about is having conversations with people that can influence them to do new things. And regardless of now, you do have to change yourself in order to do it. Because if, if you say, if you come out and say, hey, you're wrong, this is how you should do it. That's what breeds resistance. What creates resistance is when someone comes at us as a critic. And a critic is someone who knows better than you. So, so it's not just saying, not just nagging. It's not just saying you're doing this wrong. You should eat this way instead of that way. It can, a critic could also be someone offering you advice, unsolicited advice. Hey, you know, it'd be much better if you had the impossible burger instead of the beef burger. And a critic could also be someone who tries to motivate you to do the right thing by, by sort of asking you questions. About, Wouldn't it be great? How would you feel if you lost all this weight? You know, can you imagine yourself playing with your grandkids in 30 years? Right. So anytime we come at a place of we know more than they do, we're going to trigger shame. And shame is the one thing that we hate to feel more than anything else. And that will lead to defensiveness and denial. Wow, that is so interesting. So we think just, you know, and, and this process is really not so much about changing people's minds and attitudes as much as changing their behaviors. So, so where do we start? Let's, so we, let's just, let's start with probably what our listeners are most interested in. My husband, my brother, <laughs> my yeah. best friend. I would just really love for them to look at the plant-based way of eating. Sure. So the first thing is to recognize that you probably have created resistance already, right? So whatever we can own, we want to own. So we want the first step is for, there's four steps in the process. And the first step is to shift yourself from critic to ally so that the person feels like you have their best interests at heart and that you are going to be a support for them. So if you've been a critic for years, you know, I, before I understood this, and even to this day, it's so easy to be a critic that I, often, I have to do a lot of apologizing. So to say, just to be able to acknowledge. So the first thing I want to do before I approach them is get myself right. And so I'm going to think about my own negative emotions, frustration, anger, fear, right? Anything like what motivates me to keep trying to get, you know, my spouse to change. And, and every time we have this conversation, I end up like in the grip of these emotions. How come you can't see it? I don't want to age alone. You know, can't you see what you're doing to the world? Aren't you scared about climate change and suffering of it? Right. So really feel, acknowledge the, the emotions that I'm feeling. And here's, here's a truism that underneath every strong emotion is a positive value. Like, if I don't care about you, 
then I don't care if you're not healthy. <laughs> right? It's only so so get in touch with what are the what do I have to believe? Or what value do I have to hold in order for me to feel this bad? I care about animals, I care about suffering, I care about people, I love you. Right? All so get in touch with your own positive underlying emotions that breed all the negative covering up emotions and feel some compassion for yourself. Feel empathy for, yeah, this is important to me and I care. And maybe I haven't gone about it in the, in the most elegant or the best ways, but I'm coming from a good place. So what are we doing wrong now? Like what are some of the things that we're getting wrong when we try to get other people to do things differently. Yeah, well, so what, what do people need in order to change? They need ownership, right? Anyone who's ever told you to change, you resisted, you know, because they're taking away your autonomy. Human beings have a huge need for autonomy to be in charge of our lives. So if you're if you work for someone and they suddenly come in and say, Okay, we're going to be doing this thing differently, you're going to resist. And now they're going to have to, you know, try to explain it to you and they're going to have communication plans and and they're going to have seminars, and they're going to try to teach it. But as long as it's them telling you what to do, you're going to do the minimum you need to do to not get fired. Whereas opposed if someone comes to you and says, hey, we have this problem and we need some some ideas about how to do things differently. If you are included in the conversation and you feel like you have some stamp of ownership, you will fight to bring that thing into into fruition. So if you think about your spouse, brother, friend, whatever, you want to understand, like, what do they care about? Right. So so when we think about, oh, this person is selfish or they're lazy, or they're such a hypocrite, or, or whatever the negative, um, you know, label we're putting on them, let's do the same thing for them that we're doing that we just did for ourselves. And say, like, what's the positive intent? What might the positive intent be behind their behavior? Wow. That person who, who eats, wow. who eats so much meat, there's a positive intent, they want to feel good. They have strong memories of this food connected to their childhood, connected to their mother, connected to their culture, connected to a really happy time in their life. They're, they, they're maybe really stressed out. And we know that very high dopamine, animal fat, salt, you know, salty, sugary foods make people feel good in the moment. So this person wants to feel good. They're doing these things because they want to feel good. And everybody wants to feel good. And that's a valid human need. So that, we, can then, we can then approach them as an ally saying, I, I care about you. I don't want to judge you. And let's, you know, we can begin to have a conversation together where you're not going to feel threatened. So this brings up the whole issue of tolerance. And I think that's so hard in, in the vegan world, especially for ethical vegans, mm -hmm. because if we tolerate yeah, people's using animal products and supporting that industry, then we're tolerating the suffering and, and the killing. And yet we don't want to be intolerant, but we don't want to tolerate that. So what do we do? Yeah. It's, it's such a beautiful question. And, 
And it's not just about veganism, right? There are a lot of things that we would rather not tolerate in this world from, from all sorts of injustices, from all sorts of suffering. And the question is, you know, when, when I was about to get married, I got some advice from a, an older friend who said, you can either be married or you can be right, but you can't be both. <laughs> Right. So like the question is, what do we what do we want? What's the outcome that we want? If I want to help this person shift, first of all, recognize that it may never happen fully. But, you know, it may never, you know, it may never happen as far as I want it to. And am I do I want it to have the best odds to move this person in the direction that I want to move them? Like, if, if I want to be effective as opposed to right, then I have to work with what is in the world. And that, you know, that'll take a lot of, of, of self-compassion, right? Like when I ask vegans, like what's the one word that defines how you wanna live? It's always compassion, right? It's never skinny. <laughs> it's always, I want, you know, compassion. So, you know, it's, it's there's famously, you know, ways in which we can be very uncompassionate with people who don't agree with us. And we see this all the time online. And there's ways in which we can be very uncompassionate with ourselves and say, well, if I can't get the whole world to go vegan, everybody in my orbit, then I'm not trying hard enough. Then there's something wrong with me. And I think, you know, compassion can begin with myself, can extend to the people around me because you know, basically people who are behaving in, in ways that are opposed to their values ultimately are confused, right? So, so if, I want, if I want someone to see that, if I, so, you know, so it's difficult because we're talking about almost two different things. One is I wanna change their mind and the other is I wanna start changing their actions. And as a coach, I always, I always wanna change actions because it's less threatening and people tend to change their beliefs once they have a, you know, a set of actions that they're consistent with. So I think it's somewhere in the Bible, when God comes down with the 10 commandments and says, okay, everybody listen up. The response from the, uh, the Israelites at the foot of the mountain is which is we will do and we will listen. Ah. And so it's like, okay, so, so if I can get someone to do meatless Mondays, like they've already put a stake in the ground to now say, okay, I'm a person who cares about what I eat, who is trying to reduce animal products. That's a different person to have a conversation with than the person who you just want to like go from McDonald's to, uh, you know, to vegan overnight. That makes so much sense. And I think that's why so many people who go plant-based for their health then become open to the ethical and the environmental issues. It's very hard when you're supporting an industry, when you're consuming a product every day to be confronted with, this is an immoral act. And immediately you, know, you want to combat that. But once you're no longer doing the act and somebody says, oh, you know, this new way you're eating, it's not only great for your health, it's also saving all these lives and ending all the suffering. Then people feel like, oh, I'm doing that. And it just opens that door wider and wider. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a wonderful study that I don't have off the top of my head, but I could find it for, for you and your listeners of 
um, some there was a um, people were asked to come to a lab and were given instructions to do something that was kind of morally ambiguous, like like not a great thing to do. And so then they you know they would get a bunch of people to do it, and then they would have one a shill. Uh, one of the, you know, uh, associate of the experimenter who would then say, I'm not going to do that. That's immoral, you know, that's not right. I refuse to do that. Or they would have the, they would, in another uh, scenario, they would have the same thing, but the other person would go first and refuse. And then the study was actually asking the real participants what they thought of that person. And when they went, when that, when that person said it first, before they had a chance to transgress, they admired that person. Like, I really like how that person stood up and stood up for their values. When they had done the wrong thing, they saw that person as a jerk. Fascinating. That, that really is. So Howard, a coach us. So I'm going to pretend to be somebody who doesn't know any other vegans. And I know this mm -hmm. is true for a lot of people. Uh, I'm kind of in the other camp when I meet somebody who's not a vegan, it's always a shock. <laughs> it's kind of like somebody's still smoking cigarettes. That just yeah. seems so archaic. But let's just say that my, my family or omnivorous, everybody I work with, everybody at my place of worship, all my longtime friends, everybody I know on Facebook, and all of a sudden I'm eating in this different way and I'm getting tons of flack. Mm -hmm. Help me, what do I say? Okay, so here, here's something that I've discovered in, in, in writing the book with, with my writing partner, Peter Bregman, is that complaints, which I used to hate when people complained, I now see complaints as silver platter opportunities to have a conversation. So if someone's giving me flack, and I feel like, you know, all right, I'm new at this. I maybe, maybe I'm not doing it right, or it's weird. And I'm out of, you know, connection with people that I've care cared about for a long time. So let me work on that for myself. And now see when I get somebody bites back at me to say, gee, let's, um, I'm really curious. Tell me more. What's, what are your concerns? Right? Because if, if I'm going to be defensive, then how am I ever going to ask them not to be defensive? Right. Ooh. So, so, so let, so let me model the kind of openness that I want to see from them. Wow. What, what, what have you heard? Are you, you know, are you concerned for my health or does it just seem weird? Tell me, I'm really curious because it's working for me. I love it. Oh, that's brilliant. What a great start. So, and then, you know, they're like, like, do you love the way you're eating? You know, do you, you know, maybe if they're overweight, they might say something, right? But so like whenever anybody complains, like there's plenty of things to complain about if you're not eating a healthy diet, right? You, know, you could be on meds, you could be overweight, you could be sluggish, you could be irritable. Whenever anyone complains about anything like that, then you have a silver platter opportunity to get permission to talk to them. And you don't, you don't have to immediately bring it right to food, but we have a, we have a three-step permission formula in the book, which is step one is empathize, right? Instead of like someone says, oh, you know, my back's really hurting. I've gained 20 pounds during the pandemic. You don't jump in with, hey, I've got an eating plan for you, right? You say, oh man, that's, that sounds horrible. That's, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. Step two is to express confidence in them. 
you know, whatever is true about your, their capabilities that you see, you know, you're very resourceful. You're very resourceful. You've solved problems like this in the past, or like, I know, you know, I've seen you recover from injuries and things like that. Something that expresses confidence. And then step three is to ask permission. Would you like to think about it together? Right? It's very hard for people to say no if you're coming at them with empathy, expressing confidence in their ability, and then offering to think it through with them, to be a thought partner rather than, would you like to hear what I have to say? Or would you like a list of 12 movies <laughs> that, that I can tell you to watch? Are you telling me to get rid of my list of 12 movies? Nope, not at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying you, you want to you give them when, I only want to give advice or guidance when it's asked for or when I've gotten permission to do it. So if someone, if someone says, hey, Victoria, do you have a movie that I could watch to help me think better about um, animal agriculture? You'll say, yes, I do. If you walk up to them and say, hey, I've got an, a movie that you should watch, you'll get a completely different reaction. Oh, you are so wise. That it, this, is, this is all making tremendous sense, Howard. So the book, everybody, is You Can Change Other People. And you can also find out more about my wise guest at plantyourself.com. He's on Facebook at Plant Yourself and on Instagram at Ask Howie. And I'm going to follow you on Instagram right now because I would love to ask you stuff <laughs> like right. I've been doing for the past 20 minutes. So how about when it comes to changing ourselves? I, I love your, your three-step formula, the, the empathy, the expressing confidence, and the offering uh, to be a partner. That's brilliant when working with somebody else. But what about if the person we want to change is number one? Uh-huh. Beautiful question. And it's funny because both my co-author and I decided independently that we were going to use the process that we teach in the book on ourselves. Like we were just going to do it. And we both, we had this sort of awkward conversation where we both sort of admitted that it didn't really work. And what we came to is a realization that it, like, if you really want to change, get help. Like we need each other, human beings. We think like, oh, I'm going to do this. And there's all these books, hundreds of wonderful books on how to change your own habits. And the truth is we live in community. We live with other people and they are, you know, our greatest source of annoyance sometimes. And they're also our greatest source of strength. Say so like, find people who want to support you. You know, I've given my book to someone and said, this is the, this is my owner's manual. If you, if there are things I'm doing that you want to change, this is how I'd like you to do it. So let's, you know, let's remember that we're in this together and, you know, be, be part of com communities of support rather than thinking that we're all individual atoms who have to, you know, bootstrap ourselves to perfection. I love that. I love the way that we can, we can lift ourselves up and we can lift up others as well. So one thing we can do is read a fabulous books by Howard Jacobson and, and all of the books you've co-authored have been so helpful in my life. So we will put all of those on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Thank you, Dr. Howard Jacobson. And everybody else, please stay with us because we're going to come back with Jennifer Stoikovic, Vegan Power Woman. 
stay with us. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back. If you're listening on Unity Online Radio or via a podcast app and Welcome for the first time to those watching on YouTube. We're doing a split pre-record of this episode. So today's two guests are showing up as separate YouTube videos. And if you generally listen, but you might like some visuals from time to time, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Victoria Moran NYC, and look for the Main Street Vegan podcast playlist. And speaking of all things Main Street Vegan, if you visit MainStreetVegan.net this week, you'll find a blog that I wrote myself called Growing Older Isn't Easy, especially in a pandemic, but it's better if you're vegan. And while you're on the website, do have a look at Main Street Vegan Academy. The course coming up in late January and early February marks our 10th anniversary. So what do you think? Is it time for you to become a certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator? If that sounds good, we've morphed our November gratitude offer into a December holiday gift offer. So you can use the code KINDNESS20, that's KINDNESS with a capital K, for 20% off your tuition at Main Street Vegan Academy. And now it is high time to introduce my guest for this half hour, Jennifer Stojkovic, a multi-talented executive leader in the tech innovation and future of food space. She built her career under Silicon Valley's most prolific investor, Ron Conway, and worked with brands including Google, 
Microsoft and Facebook before pivoting to the burgeoning industry of alternative protein and food technology. Jennifer is an industry expert and thought leader, powering the world's largest global platform of mission-driven women. Mm, don't we like that? <laughs> who have founded and are working to create the future of food, fashion, beauty, and biotech. And guess what? Jennifer is about to join the author's sorority with her book coming in the spring, The Future of Food is Female. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. That was such a great walk on. Thank you so well, much. Well, it's wonderful. You know, when I first started this show way back in 2012, the nice people at Unity Online Radio said, the only thing that concerns us is, are there enough vegans with enough to say that you can do this every week? And now my biggest problem with this podcast is that I tend to book out months and months in advance because there are so many cool vegans. And I love to tell everybody uh, what you guys are up to and how wonderful you really are. So let's start with some history and and i know yours is is somber in in some ways of how you became vegan but uh, we want to hear your story yeah absolutely so my story of going vegan and and changing my life is a bit of an uncommon one uh so for folks uh i just want to give like a bit of a warning this this is a story that does contain gun violence um with that being said so i had a tragic incident happen to me when I was 23 years old, uh, when my husband and I were both newlyweds a few months into being married. Tragically, our best man and his best friend was murdered in an act of senseless gun violence. And at the time, I had never even considered the world around me or even really what my impact was on it. It is the type of life-changing event that completely thrust me into a totally new direction, a totally new perspective on life. And as you can imagine, something as traumatic as a murder trial, that's the type of thing that really tests you as a human. And so for, for us, um, as we were grieving and, and going through that process, we decided that we would take the road of compassion rather than that road of anger. And so Forgiving a, a murderer was part of it. And we also decided that we wanted to fill our lives with light uh, and make compassionate choices in anything that we could do. Having suffered through such a traumatic experience, we felt we have been a part of the deepest suffering that somebody can feel. And so we don't want to be a part of that for others. I thought the most logical step for that was what's the thing that we do three times a day? And that, of course, is what you eat and eventually what you wear. And so we decided to go vegan really as a way to, I think, honestly, have a way to find a little bit of catharsis in, in the situation and to find a way to free ourselves and, and start anew. So that is when I went vegan. Um, it's been seven years ever since. I believe that is the best thing that I could ever do for myself. And creating a compassionate lifestyle is the type of it's the type of thing that it pays you back over and over. Compassion is certainly a muscle that can be exercised and it can grow. Mine certainly has. I think compassion begets more compassion and it's something that I live every day of my life. Oh, Jennifer, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for jumping into this with both feet. 
a lot of people become vegan and that's fabulous. And you became vegan and literally changed your whole life. So how did you get from uh, mega tech to vegan tech? Yeah, so I have been really, really fortunate in my life to have been able to experience just honestly, like the most exciting industries that I could ever imagine. I grew up in a very, very small town up in Canada. And so making it out to Silicon Valley and making a name for myself in tech was something I never believed I would get the opportunity to experience. And I was very fortunate to have that. And so after a few years of working in the tech industry, um, I discovered that food tech was really starting to emerge and it was very exciting for me having um, built an entire career in, in startups and innovation to see all of a sudden vegan things are emerging as the next big thing to invest in. And so I started to do a little bit of programming in 2018 in the future of food. I worked with a number of really cool, exciting folks that you might know, like Josh Tetrick of Just or Uma Valetti of Upside Foods, which is now Memphis Meats, and really just watch them as they were paving the way for the future of food. But the thing that concerned me was that I noticed that there tended to be a lot of male voices. And that started to remind me of my career in Silicon Valley, where I was often the only woman in the room and typically the youngest woman in the room. And so starting to see that the future of food was going to become the next big mainstream industry and that it may very well follow that same path as the tech industry in terms of not being diverse, not being representative of, of the world's population, I decided to create BWS. So tell us what that is and how we can be a part of it. Of course. So VWS, Vegan Women's Summit, is a global platform and community uh, powered by women professionals all around the world who want to make a kinder, more sustainable world. We started off as one single event, the Vegan Women's Summit in San Francisco in February 2020. We had 250 women jam-packed in a room from all over the world. And we now today, uh, in December 2021, have over 30,000 women professionals across six continents that are focused on how they can make a better, kinder world. So we focus on how can we get women represented in the future of food, fashion, beauty, and biotechnology. So we support all things animal-free innovation and how we can remove animals from the systems in which we exploit them. We're working to get more women funded, more women as entrepreneurs, more women as founders, more women as investors, more women as board members. We're looking to fill that talent pool as well. We do the only job fair in the entire world focused on connecting women in the future of food. Our goal is to make sure that women, particularly women of color, are represented in the future of food. And not just that, but we think that there's a chance for women to lead it. I think that there's a lot of very promising CEOs and founders out there that are building big, big things right now. Perhaps you haven't heard about them yet, but we're hoping to change that. That is really exciting. And, and I love it. It seems like whatever industry, you know, even the ones that you wouldn't expect wouldn't open the doors wide for women. You know, it, when I look at a vegan event, it reminds me of a church where almost everybody in the seats is a woman, but most of the people up in the front are mm -hmm. men. Mm -hmm. So good for you for working to change that. And I just think about some of our amazing mothers of this movement in, in the business side, like, like Miyoko Shinner. And it's like, let's just clone Miyoko and have... <laughs> you know, thousands of, of these, these wonderful companies. So this next summit is coming up in April. 
So where and how can we go and what can we expect? So the next summit, I'm very, very excited to say, will be in person. We will, of course, have a virtual opportunity as well. So for folks that have been part of the BWS community, we have been doing a lot of really great virtual content over this last year and a half. But April 8th, 2022, will officially mark the first time we are back in person in over a year and a half. Uh, it is going to be Absolutely huge, Victoria. I can't even begin to explain how excited I am about the Vegan Women's Summit Los Angeles. It is going to be the who's who of the future of food. We are going to be bringing in folks from all over the world. We already have attendees that have purchased tickets from, I think, three different continents. So at my last glance, when I looked, uh, we have the speakers that we're going to be bringing out. We do vegan athletes, CEOs, celebrities, investors, founders, you name it. It's all the most amazing women that are changing their industries and they're doing it with a compassionate lens. So it is going to be inspiring, educational, and more than anything, empowering. On top of that, the thing that I'm most excited about for 2022 is our venue is going to have over 20,000 square feet of the VWS Compassionate Marketplace which is the world's first marketplace featuring the future of food, fashion, beauty, and biotechnology. All types of animal-free innovation. We've got sponsors that are flying in from Hong Kong, Singapore, Spain. I think we just did Berlin. We've got the UK. Like very, very exciting products that you've probably never even had a chance to try yet or perhaps don't even know exist that are all trying to make animal alternatives and cruelty-free products. So you will have the chance as an attendee to experience the, all of that marketplace, experience the most incredible meals you'll ever have in your entire life, perhaps, as well as listen to the top uh, vegan women speakers from around the world. And the other thing I will say real quick, the number one question I get is, this sounds so amazing, Jenny. I'm a guy, can I come? Everybody from all walks of life are invited to attend the Vegan Women's Summit. We have about a 90% uh, women's audience, but we do get a lot of male attendees as well. And one of the things that's really exciting about our event is that it is a 13 plus event because we do a non-alcoholic reception. So that means that lots of mothers and fathers can bring their young daughters and sons to come listen to this content. It's a really unique experience, I think, for, for helping to grow some of the young change makers out there. What a brilliant idea that, that only a woman would think of that. No offense to wonderful men, but that is a very, <laughs> very cool idea. Just, you know, Jennifer, when you talk about all these companies, I'm kind of taking the historic view because I, I went vegan in the early 1980s and was trying all through the 70s. And I remember there was one cosmetic brand, one kind of color cosmetic that you could get in this country, Beauty Without Cruelty. And I tried to do a um, like a, a distribution channel for that, mm -hmm. knowing nothing about a business. I mean, I was a journalist. I, I could write. I didn't know how to import things. And I remember getting a call from the import office saying something was off. And I thought, oh, my God, am I going to go to federal prison? I didn't know what was happening. Eventually, you know, it kind of worked, but there wasn't much of a market back then. And just to see what's happened now, you know, and, and to think in my lifetime to have seen this incredible, you use the word burgeoning, it, it's like exploding. So, mm -hmm. so cool. So what are some of your favorite companies, food or otherwise? 
it is just play of, favorites. And it's like saying like, who's your favorite kid? Because there's seriously, <laughs> there's so many companies that are doing really incredible things. You know, I, I actually like to take it a step farther and say, I actually have favorite categories that are emerging. If, if, if you would be so inclined to to hear me out. I think that the pregnancy and infant and toddler space is about to explode. Did you know that up until a few years ago, we literally didn't innovate on dairy infant formula in over 70 years? It's still that same crap that they came out with all those years ago. And so tons of new products are going to be hitting the market uh, for infants and toddlers, which really, really excites me. I, I also think that there's going to be some really cool new future of fashion products. Uh, you obviously, a lot of folks probably saw the L magazine just drop fur this week. Hopefully they're going to extend that farther and drop skins and leathers as well. I think there's a lot we're going to see in this next 18 months or so with new vegan fashion coming out. Um, infant toddler space is really exciting. A lot of cheeses too. There's some that I, I got a lot of NDAs out there of companies that I'm working with. I can tell you some that I had no idea existed that are about to hit the market in the next six months and are just going to blow your mind. We have such a huge white space out there. So for folks that are listening, we own a very, very tiny amount of shelf space right now. I know it might seem like it's always like a beyond versus impossible. It kind of seems like it's like our vegan version of Coke and Pepsi going on. But that infighting we're having is for such a tiny space. There is so much more room for other folks to come into this space. So much more, you know, in the vegan uh, meat space alone, uh, companies like Future Farm that are coming up from Brazil and launching all kinds of, they've got 23 countries that they've launched in and, and they just got here to the U.S. The very good butchers I was just talking to, Canada's largest vegan meat company, they're hitting the U.S. next year there's going to be a drastic change to what our grocery store shelves look like. So if you've got an idea for something, I promise you there's probably space in the market for it. There's never been a better time to start a company. That is so exciting because I think a lot of, of new, fresh entrepreneurs look at everything that's out there and think, gosh, I wish I'd gone vegan five years ago. But you're saying this is as good a time as then ever was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because- <laughs> You know, it might seem like to us in the vegan space, right? We might we might feel like everything we hear about is, you know, impossible and beyond and those usual few companies. But you need to take a look from a mainstream perspective of what are the rest of, of Americans and, and, you know, everyday people eating. And they're not even close to eating what we are, right? Um, they say studies show that up to 50% of households drink non-dairy milk in the United States, right? In some way or another, typically almond milk. Almond milk is the first choice, um, first non-dairy non alternative of choice, but less than 3% of Americans have tried vegan cheese. Why do you think that is? Milks have done an incredible job. So truly the, the, the amount of growth that we have done in the plant-based non-dairy milk category is, is very incredible. It's something that if you are interested in this space, do a little bit of research and digging into the consumer um, analytics on that and you'll learn a lot. I think that milk was one that, you know, lactose intolerance is so common that the first thing you think is milk. You don't really think of the other dairy products you're eating. I meet people all the time that say, oh, I could go vegan because I already don't drink milk. And I say, but you're literally eating cheese right now. So I think milk is definitely like the first one you associate with dairy. So it's the first one people try. 
it's also added to things so you can kind of slide it in right it's your latte with oat milk instead of your latte with dairy milk is not that big of a difference whereas cheese it might be literally the only product that's on your fork or or on your plate right so I think that when you are actually making it the centerpiece of your meal, it's a little bit more of a challenge to get people to want to try it, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, it absolutely does. And, and I think that I've talked to people who are lactose intolerant who say, well, cheese is okay. It's just yeah. liquid milk causes me trouble. Yeah, which is not true. So. <laughs> you know, when you think about, the thing that's interesting about milk is um, it's over 2000 ingredients that are in milk, right? Mm. And so, it is a extremely complex uh, product. It's something I've actually learned quite a bit about uh, in the future of food in the last few months, because there's a lot of people that are innovating on milk right now. And from a data perspective, a ton of companies right now are mapping out what are those 2000 ingredients in dairy milk and how can we create a plant-based alternative? Perhaps on the other end, you've got folks that are saying, what are those 2000 ingredients in milk and how can we create a, a lab grown or, or cultivated version of it that again, can capture that same consumer in a way that it doesn't harm cows. It doesn't have the same environmental footprint uh, of, the, of the milk and the dairy industry. And I mean, more importantly than, than ever, it's, it's something that we need to be looking at. Um, mm. For folks that are watching on video, you can see that there is some brown in California hills that are in my reflection in my video. And, and that is very real to me. Climate change is something that I look at every day being here in California. And I don't think that it is gonna go away from being top of mind. And I hope that folks can make the association with what they put on their dinner plate. And what are you seeing in the world of vegan eggs? Oh, vegan eggs. I think that I actually did an article in Rolling Stone a couple of months ago with uh, five big plant-based trends that we we're seeing and, and, and vegan eggs was actually on it. So there is a number of new ones that are going to be arriving in the next six to 12 months or so. Uh, Zero Egg is a really exciting competitor to Just Egg. Uh, Liran, she's an awesome woman CEO that is coming over from Israel and really, really expanding quite a bit here. Uh, Plantega, if anyone has been following the news, really exciting new one with Yolk that just came, uh, came through in Berlin. That's Gary Lynn, a friend of mine that he came out of the VC investing space and came out of being an investor to found this company because you were so excited about the potential. Uh, I think you're gonna see a lot more than just the liquid scrambles. We've got some cool technology that can actually create more of the yolk experience and the egg white and the different components of eggs beyond the usual scramble. And what do you say to vegans who say, well, I don't know why you want something that looks, smells, tastes like this thing that I no longer eat. What do you say to them? Well, first off, that is great for you that you do not miss the taste of animal products, but a lot of people do. And that is the reality of it. There's a lot of people out there that went vegan because of ethical reasons or health reasons. I've yet to meet a vegan that said, I went vegan because I just didn't like the taste of meat. I think most people have another reason for that. The other thing that I like to counter with that argument is when I meet meat eaters that say, well, why do you call it a hamburger? Or why do you eat something that tastes like meat if you're supposed to be vegan? And I say, I don't know what animal looks like a mushed up circle, right? You know, I don't know a single animal that looks like a pink slime that's coated in breading. We disguise what animals really look like in the end products that people eat all the time. And so what, who's to say a Beyond Burger is, is, is any less a burger than the beef burger? Neither of them are what the original animal looked like. 
Good for you. And I always think the first meats, the first non-animal meats came from Buddhist monks in Japan. They're really holy guys. They just kind of missed what they grew up on. So I'm talking everybody with Jennifer Stoikovich of the Vegan Women's Summit. So you can check that out at veganwomenssummit.com. And they are at Vegan Women's Summit on Instagram. So while we're still here and the clock has not said we have to stop, tell us about your wonderful book. This is something very exciting. So for folks that are listening, you are among the first to even hear about our book that will be coming up. So I am excited to reveal The Future of Food is Female. It is the very first book uh, elevating women's leadership in the future of food will be coming out in the spring of 2022. Just turned in the manuscript, talking to our publisher this morning, working on the final touches. We're really excited about this book because in addition to being my first time as an author, it is the very first industry publication to feature many of the different women that are changing the food system. We have women everywhere from creating the future of cell-based meat alternatives to plant-based innovation. Uh, we even have a member of the European Parliament in there, celebrities, investors, all the incredible women all across the world who are changing the food system and how we can put them into the spotlight, how we can give them the platform that they so deserve in my opinion, the future of food is female might be the first time you ever hear about many of these women, but it will inevitably become a history book. And these are the women that you will be hearing about for the next 50 years. Oh, that's so exciting. So in our last minute, you talked about the book is coming in the spring of 2022. The conference is April 2022. Let's go to 2032. What does the world look like? I think in 2032, we got a lot, a lot of electric cars that are whizzing around. We've got plates that are filled with future products that we can't even envision today. Probably a blend of both plant-based as well as a bit of fungi technology, perhaps a little bit of cell-based technology. The thought of wearing leather seems like something a Neanderthal would do. I think that you are going to see change much quicker than anyone anticipates. Uh, when it starts, it's slow, it's slow, it's slow, and suddenly the snowball is, is bigger and bigger, and it's unstoppable. Oh, that's wonderful. And thanks to amazing people like you, it's happening. Everybody who's vegan and everybody who's innovating, we are so very lucky. So uh, tell us again, Jennifer, uh, the exact dates for this conference in LA. So our conference is going to be on April 8th, 2022, Friday, April 8th. You can find out more information on veganwomensummit.com. If you want to be the first to hear when our pre-sales drop for the book, veganwomensummit.com slash newsletter. That is the who's who of the future of food. We've got people that follow us from six continents. So we'd love for you to join. And while we're um, sending people to wonderful places, just give us a little bit of you yourself personally. What's your goal for this conference? I want to reach women all around the world that perhaps never thought that vegan was something for them. Our goal with this conference is to show women that there is that through line that will connect them with our work and why they should build a kinder, more sustainable world. We don't, I care love why, <laughs> we don't care where you came from or why you showed up. We're, we care that you're here now. 
Oh, that's so beautiful, Jennifer. Thank you. I mean, I've heard about the conference and now talking to you, I feel like uh, I feel like I haven't just heard about it. I love it. So thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for all you do. Thanks to everybody listening and watching. As ever, thanks to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. And to all of you, God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.